0: I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold I'm Curtis Jones I am Cody Gagbo Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment
1: Pre-order the new LFC 24-25 season night home kit now You can pre-order it today for delivery from the 16th of May at your official LFC stores online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app You will never walk alone with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms. And we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to anfieldindexpro.com and get started today.
0: Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC and your daily reminder that the Reds are top of the league. Also, 2024 Carabao Cup winners, also in the last 16 of the Europa League with a favourable draw, and also now in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Liverpool 3, Southampton 0 in the fifth round game last night. The Reds lined up with Cuevin, Kelleher in goal. Conor Bradley right back, Gerald Quonset and Virgil van Dijk at centre-back and Costa Simic is at left-back. In midfield, we had James McConnell and Bobby Clark flanking Joe Gomez in the six. Harvey Elliott, Cody Gakpo, and Lewis Kumas up front. Lewis Kumas getting his first start. Great to see Bobby Clark and James McConnell starting and having two kids, Bradley and Kwanzaa in the defense as well. AXA very well represented. The AXA very well represented in this game in terms of the starting 11. So, bit of an odd first half. We didn't start well. They had the ball in the net after 60 seconds or so, but it was ruled out for offside, and rightly so. Uh, then they hit the post through Sulemana, and then he had a shot that Kelleher saved very, very well. And then we woke up. Bobby Clark with a lovely bit of play beats his man drives the ball into the feet of Kumas Kumas shifts it gets it out of his feet wiggles a bit of space and from the edge of the area drives a shot into the bottom corner 44 minutes and the reds are one up and Lewis Kumas is celebrating a debut goal and that kid has been by all accounts very very impressive in the academy he is of of course um another one of our academy kids who is the son of a former professional, in his case it's Jason Kumas Uh, and just in case you were wondering, Jason Kumas was 16, sorry, was 15 about to turn 16 four months later when Everton last won a trophy so Jason Kumas 15 when Everton last won a trophy and his son Lewis now scoring for Liverpool into the second half, we made one change at half time. Ibu Kanate came on for Virgil van Dijk. Everybody had expected that to be the case. And the Reds just got themselves very, very excited after that. We made a second change, bringing on Alexis McAllister on 62, settled ourselves down, and began to really control the game. Jaden Dans came on for Luis Kumas on 63 minutes. And then on 73 minutes, he made it 2-0. This is a lovely goal. Harvey Elliott picks the ball up, plays a gorgeous reverse pass into the box. And Jaden Dans, in what reminded me of Fernando Torres, with the perfectly timed run and then the perfectly timed chipped finish over. Lumley in goal. Absolutely gorgeous goal from the Reds. From there, Oni came on for Harvey Elliott. 16 years of age. Now, I'm sure if we check in with the Boffins at the Manchester United and Chelsea fan bases, they'll tell us that he's probably not a kid and he's not homegrown. But Oni came anyway for his debut. And 10 minutes later, we were three up. So an Alexis McAllister clipped cross into the box after him and Bobby Clark pressed really well towards their left corner flag. It's half-headed clear, drops to Connor Bradley. Bradley gets the ball out of his feet, hits an awkward shot with the outside of his right boot that is is going into the bottom corner. Keeper does well to save it, But Jaden Dans reacts before anybody else and slams at home to make it three. And then Cade Gordon was introduced in the 90th minute just for a bit of a run out. So the Reds march on in the FA Cup as they do in all of the competitions. And the draw, of course, was made before the game, which I didn't like. But the draw told us that if we were to get by Southampton, we would face the winner of Nottingham Forest and Manchester United. And Manchester United won that goal, that game 1-0. With a goal that's a little bit controversial and has rightly got people drawing comparisons to the goal we had disallowed at Wembley. Raphael Varane blocks off a defender. Now, the difference between the two, according to professional excuse maker for the PGMOL, Dale Johnson is that Varan didn't block somebody who was in the dropping zone, which is a completely subjective thing that doesn't really exist because there's no scientific evidence or no scientific workings to decide what the dropping zone is. It is literally just subjective. But the real difference is that what Endo did was stand still and Levi Colwell made no attempt to get round him, nor did Levi Colwell make any complaint or protest when the goal was scored. What Raphael Varane did was actually take two steps and push a Nottingham Forest player to the floor. So forgetting the dropping zone nonsense, which like I said is completely subjective nonsense, Raphael Varane actively moved towards a player and shoved them to the floor. Endo stood still. That's the difference. But the other difference, of course, is that Manchester's Chris Kavanagh, who refereed the cup final, was also refereeing last night. And if anyone can explain to me how the fuck referees from Manchester are allowed to referee Manchester United or Manchester City games, I'd love to hear it. I don't care if they're not Manchester United fans or Manchester City fans because the likelihood is that their families contain multiple fans of one or the other or both, that their kids are United or City fans, that their wives, their father-in-laws, their mother-in-laws, their brother-in-laws, their own parents, their own siblings will be Manchester United or Manchester City fans. So therefore, they do have a vested interest in the success of Manchester United and Manchester City. And that's what we saw last night. That is what we saw last night. We saw a referee from Manchester giving a goal that he himself disallowed only four days beforehand, except that this one was worse. This one was, there was an active foul. Not only was ran offside when the free kick was taken, he actively fouled a player in the box. Endo just stood still. He literally just stood still. But the Reds are through, and we will go to Old Trafford on the weekend of the 16th and 17th of March, which means, good news for the Reds, the Everton game in the league will be pushed back which means that Allison, Curtis and Trent should all be back for that Everton game, which means they'll only miss two more Premier League games, Nottingham Forest this weekend, and then the big one, which is Manchester City. Now, no Darwin, no Dominic, no Mo in the matchday squad last night, but the hope will be that all are available this weekend. Jürgen said they were touch and go for last night. Dominic said he was fine to play in the final on Sunday and the medical team held him back. Dominic and Darwin took took part in their own Grand National and looked absolutely fine. And there's a clip of Darwin, you'll find it on social media, sprinting onto the pitch at the final whistle to embrace Luis Diaz. He looks pretty fine. He doesn't look like someone that's struggling with an injury. So Jürgen said they were touch and go for last night, which should mean that all three, or certainly two of the three, will be good to play at the weekend. And that will be a massive boost for us. We have them back for Forest. We have them for City. You'd imagine the team that will go to Prague next week will be uh, a heavily rotated team. Then we have everybody who's available for City. Then it's Prague again at home. Get the job done there. Get ourselves into the quarterfinals. And then we go to Old Trafford, where we can go as strong as possible in that quarterfinal game, because then it's the international break. And with, with a bit of, a bit of luck, which we deserve at this point, because we've had none so far this season, With a bit of luck, we go into the international break in really good order, advancing in multiple competitions, still top of the league, although because Arsenal will play that weekend in the league, I think they might not. Let's have a quick look. Let's have a quick look. Who are Arsenal due to play that weekend? Arsenal are due to play Chelsea, so that game is postponed, so they won't play. Um, so that's brilliant. So we we can go into the international break top, potentially a couple of points clear uh, if we can beat City, and then come back out of the international break with three more players added back into the mix. And of those that we're relying on between now and the end of the season, hopefully only Diogo Jota absent because we know Matip's done for the season. I don't expect Thiago to play for us again, and I don't expect to see much of Stefan Besetich between now and the end of the season. Um, Now, if he comes back, he might play a European game, but it'll be from the bench. I I think he's going to be down the pecking order as well because Clark and McConnell – have been playing so well. So he's going to have to reestablish himself. We saw the same thing with Kate Gordon. Kate Gordon was head and shoulders ahead of all these youngsters a few years ago. And now he's behind Kumas. He's behind Danz. He's probably behind Ben Doak. And Ben Doak's another one who's placed in the pecking order will have dipped a little bit because he's been out injured. It's just the nature of it. It's great for us, it, it breeds competition. It breeds players having desire, having something to play for, something to perform for, needing to prove themselves. We run a very tight ship at our academy where, you know, the maximum contract anyone in the academy is getting pays 50 grand a year, which is good money to a normal person. But for a footballer, it's it's peanuts. I can remember when Tosin Adara Bio was in the Manchester City Academy, there was an article in one of the rags, I think the mail, where he was given a new contract for 25 or 30 grand a week. I remember Nathaniel Chalaba, the older Chalaba brother, when he was in the Chelsea Academy at like 17, he was earning 10 grand a week. Ruben Loftus-Cheek was earning 20 grand a week at 18. We're paying 50 grand a year there's also very strict rules on what car the players can drive when they're in a cat in the academy. There's a an engine capacity limit of 1.3 liters, which means that they're driving around in micros. I don't know if, I don't think the focus comes in a 1.3. So it's it's small run-around cars, giving them, you know, they've got wheels, they've got that bit of freedom, they've got that bit of responsibility. But it keeps them humble. It keeps them grounded. These are, these are as, as, as a dickhead once said, these are world-class basics. Um, th- this is why we see our players coming through and being so hungry. This is why they're all performing the way they are, because they're striving to get out of the academy and into the first team where they've got something to play for. They've got opportunity. It's why our wage structure, even though you know we have paid far too much money to certain senior players over the years, it's why our wage structure is something that other clubs try and replicate because we're very, very strict with how we operate. Um, so we'll play United away. You'd imagine, uh, given the other games in the FA Cup are City-Newcastle, Wolves Coventry, which is, to be fair, it's a derby, a Midlands derby. Uh, Chelsea Leicester. You'd imagine City Newcastle is probably a 5.30 kickoff on a Saturday, and then Liverpool United will be the main game on the Sunday. The Premier League games that are scheduled to go ahead that weekend, Burnley-Brentford, Luton-Forest. I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold I'm Curtis Jones I am Cody Gakpo. Putting on the Liverpool toffee the first time it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment Pre-order
1: the new LFC 24-25 season night home kit now You can pre-order it today for delivery from the 16th of May at your official LFC stores online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app You will never walk alone
0: Fulham against Tottenham and West Ham Villa. And West Ham Villa is scheduled for the early kickoff. Actually, as I look at it, Fulham-Tottenham is scheduled to be a late kickoff. Maybe maybe Newcastle against City is an 8 p.m. kickoff on the Saturday because there is a 5.30 game schedule. So maybe it's an 8 p.m. kickoff on the Saturday. And then I think we'll be the 4 p.m. kickoff on the Sunday. So we'll play United then. And then obviously we've got to go to Old Trafford again this season. That's on the 7th of April when hopefully we'll have Trent, Ali and um, and Curtis back. <clears throat> By then they should have been back for the Brighton game. They should have been back for the Sheffield United game, although I'd imagine we'll rest a few players for that one, which which. Really does that little run there, like that, could have been difficult. But having Sheffield United in the middle, as opposed to a tougher game, means that we can go full strength. Brighton rest up some players against Sheffield United, go full strength into Manchester United, and then we play Crystal Palace a week later. But I'd assume there'll be Europa League quarter final in between them, and then we're Fulham away the following wet weekend. And like again, I assume there'll be the second leg of the Europa League Europa League, in between those. Uh, so it is all coming up well for the Reds. I have to say last night was just, its a, it's such a good time to be a Liverpool fan. Like you'd be absolutely delighted with yourself. We're top of the league in a season that was to be a season of transition, a season that was to be year one of a rebuild. Now obviously Jürgen leaving, means that he wasn't going to be at the club to oversee the rebuild or to oversee the completion of said rebuild, which, you know, it will still be ongoing come the summer regardless. But we're top of the league, ahead of schedule. And people can say, oh, well, you, they're, they're, they're the third best team. Like, it's just, it's nonsense. We've had the hardest schedule so far. Hence, we have the easiest of the three run-ins on paper. We've had by far the most injuries of the three. We've had by far the most injuries to starters of the three. And yet we're still top. And people are saying, oh, well, Arsenal look the best team right now. Great. Brilliant. It's February. Now is not the time to look like the best team. April and May, that's when you want to look like the best team because that's when the title's won. This, this is just the foreplay part of the season. It's when we come back after the international break with 10 games left in the league. That's when the title race starts. It's not now. So if Arsenal, for want of a better phrase, are blowing their load... In February, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Let them, let them batter a bunch of crap teams, because their running is really tough. Theirs is by far the toughest running, and if we look back to last season in February, they beat Villa comfortably. They beat Leicester. Then in March, they hammered hammered Everton. They beat Bournemouth. They hammered Fulham, hammered Palace. First game in April, they hammered Leeds. And then what happened? After doing all of that in February, March, what happened? In their last nine games, they won three of them. and bottle the title so let Arsenal batter teams in February and in March let them that's a sign of a team that doesn't know how to win a title they're not pacing themselves if you watch Arsenal play this season like we're managing our way through games we've had a lot of games this year where we've had a bad half and then just come out and got the job done second half or got the job done first half and managed our way through the second half. Arsenal are playing at maximum capacity for 90 minutes every week. And it's taken their very best in games that they've won by one goal. Like they were having to play at their very, very best to beat Brentford away. To beat Brighton at home 2 0. To beat Forest away 2 1. To beat Everton away 1 0. That was the best they had. They were at maximum capacity. So when the squeeze starts after the international break, that's when it'll become really interesting. Because in the last two seasons, They've bottled it. Note that City are not in any way playing close to their best, grinding their way through, taking their time, understanding how to win a title. You look at City's last couple of league games 2 0 over Everton, they weren't great. 3 1 over Brentford, they weren't great. 1 0 over Brentford, very, very average. 1-0 over Bournemouth, very, very average. Even the 3-2 win over Newcastle, they weren't good. They went 2-1 down. City aren't playing close to their best. We're not playing at our best because we've had so many injuries. So us and City have levels to go up. Arsenal don't. They can only go one way, which is down. Now, maybe you're of the belief that Arsenal can sustain this for the rest of the season. If so, I'd love to know what evidence you have. Because I have evidence that ourselves and City can go up multiple levels because I've seen it. You haven't seen Arsenal sustain this level through the end of a season. Nobody has. Not this Arsenal team not an Arsenal team for 20 years. So let Arsenal batter everybody and let them stay third. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, This is Anfield have a bunch of stuff off the back of last night's game. A piece about Jaden Dans. I should have said, obviously, Neil Dans, uh, Jason's dad, was once again 13 years of age when Everton last won a cup, and there's his son scoring goals in front of the cup. Uh, Liverpool FC well-positioned to sustain strong position after Jurgen Klopp. After yesterday's Daily Red, which if you haven't heard it, do go and listen to it. it came out late last night. We had a bit of a technical issue with we transfer, which is the, the format we use, or the service we use to send files back and forth, and it didn't get out till till late. I think the game was on when it came out. So do go and listen to that one. But after that came out, more information about the potential of a Michael Edwards return came out. Paul Joyce dropped an article where he said that Edwards was looking for full control over football matters, which is what I have said. He wants the sporting CEO role. I bet that's the role we're offering him. But if he wants full control, that means he's open to a return. That's what that means. If he's made it known that that's what he's looking for, that's him saying, I want to come back, but this is what I want. So I think that one might happen. Joyce also mentioned that Ruben amram is likely to be interviewed for the job as manager. As you know, I haven't hit it. He is my top choice to replace Jürgen. I think he's the best choice. I don't think it's all that close, personally. So it all came up swimmingly for me. And then we had James Jimbo, Jim Bob Pierce say that he expects that we will see significant movement in terms of the sporting director role in the next week or so. So that's also promising. So we've got three big roles that we'll be looking to fill. Sporting CEO CEO which is the role that we offered to Max Eberl, but Bayern offered him a bigger contract. And he he lives in Munich anyway, so there is that. And Frank, frankly, as good as he is at his job, he went into the Leipzig situation and basically completely disrupted how they operate. Now, he's very good at what he does, and he's a very good negotiator. He's very good at talent spotting. He's very good at getting players in but he doesn't trust the data enough. And I think he would have been at odds with what FSG want anyway. So not overly upset about losing out on him. But if Edwards takes that job, he'd have been everybody's top choice all along. It's the perfect fit. He knows the club inside and out. He helped build the club into what it is. He certainly helped build our processes into what they are. So that would be good. That's a great fit. Then sporting director, there's a bunch of names going out there. The one name just to keep an eye on, though, if Edwards comes back, is obviously Julian Ward because there's a familiarity there. He's worked for the club for a long time. He worked under Edwards for a long time. That's clearly a dynamic that works. So Ward as sporting director under Edwards as sporting CEO might be something that works. And then the manager, it does look like it'll be one of two. It looks like it'll be Alonso or Amarim. I'm still not convinced Alonso will leave Leverkusen. I really think he'll look to stay there another year and have a crack at the Champions League. And I think if they win the league, which, you know, looks very likely at this point, and and have that run into the Champions League and he's given, you know, some money to spend to add to the squad. I feel like that will push Florian Verts and Hincapié and Tapsapa and Frimpong, who've all been linked with moves away, might just push them to give it one more year themselves and go in and see what they can do together. Because if they go unbeaten, they'll be a historic team. And they might just want to see what they can do in the Champions League together. So we'll wait and see. Like, either way, either way, we're going to be in good shape because of what Jürgen is leaving behind. Uh, There's a piece about Virgil's uh, advice to the young players. There's a piece about Jaden Dan's interview after the game, which was brilliant. Uh, Lowdown on seven Liverpool youngsters who starred versus Southampton. It's just, it's very cool that there's three of the lads whose dads all played. Obviously, Bobby Clark being the third one with Kumas and, and Dan's. As uh, a piece about Joe Gomez. Uh, Liverpool's latest accounts have been released. They've reported a 9 million pre tax loss, but record commercial revenue, which is good. Mo Chatra will most likely be doing a money talks in the coming week to break those down. Uh, Liverpool finding more ridiculous ways to win as teenage dreams come true. Uh, There's a player ratings piece. Darts, horrendous pressing and plenty of praise. Five things from Klopp's press conference. And then over on Anfieldindex.com, there's a piece about Brian and Bomo. There's a piece about Klopp's kids and what David Lynch had to say about them. It's so a wrap-up from last night's game. Uh, a couple of pieces, actually, from last night's game. And then podcast-wise, there's the latest Media Matters, which is to stat me up with uh, Dave Davis and Ben Boksack. And again, make sure you're fa- following Ben because his work is outstanding. And make sure you follow Imre and Mark, the two Hungarian lads I mentioned in yesterday's pod. And then there is a Moby on the spot, which is... Of course, outstanding stuff. Uh, And last but not least, there was a post-match Raw. Guy Drinkle in the hosting seat, Lisa Marie making her debut on Raw, and Carl Wilkinson, who's semi-regular on the Cup broadcasts, uh, completing the trio. So make sure you go and listen to all of those, read the articles, tell your friends, tell your parents. Tell your kids, tell whoever. Just fucking tell somebody. Just tell anybody to listen to us, please. And then uh, make sure you listen to Buzz as well. We're recording tonight, so we're going to do a season wrap-up on True Detective. We've done all six episodes, broken them down in depth. Make sure you listen to those. If you've watched the show, they're a really good companion. And uh, we're going to do another list show for a bit of fun. Our most recent film review was Fatal Deviation, where we did about two hours and 10 minutes across two podcasts on a film that's 76 minutes, which will tell you just how much we enjoyed talking about it. That's it for me. I will see you all tomorrow. The Reds are top of the league and going for it all.